your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about trust, our deepest need. You know, when we're talking about trust, you have to understand that you can love someone and not trust them. But when you trust someone, the love always grows. So in all relationship, every conflict you'll ever have will be a trust issue. And so the bottom line is our goal in life, and we don't realize it until we get old and have made a lot of stupid mistakes, but at some point in your life, you have to understand that the only thing that will make you attractive as a person and as a relationship, as a family, is integrity. There's a lot of people that are abandoned in their life, in their old age, because they did not have their integrity. They did not manage it through their life. And so, unfortunately, people lose their relationships based on how well they manage their integrity and their sense of being able to be trusted. And now, integrity, there's all kinds of definitions, but it's a word you hear about almost every day, but it's not a word that people spend a lot of time thinking about. You know, if you if you try to define it, what what would you say? Well, if you even look at the dictionary, it's a, it's a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values, or in another way, the root of integrity is about doing the right thing, even when it's not acknowledged or seen by other people, or even convenient for you as a person, as or as a relationship. So, a person with integrity is the antidote to. Self-interest. There, there, there's countless examples of integrity in everyday life, and we seldom see some of the examples. But like a parents apologizing to their kids for overpunishing or yelling at them is a sign of integrity. You know, like animals, small children make easy targets, and they're physically vulnerable by size and stature, and they're emotionally vulnerable because they don't yet have the cognitive capacity to understand the complexities of life. And so when parents feel overwhelmed, it often follows that they snap at their kids, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, or uh, issue a, a too harsh punishment. And as a parent myself, you know, I know how hard it can be. And at the same time, I also know that delivering an apology to your child when you've gone too far is something they deserve. And that's an absolute sign of integrity. And it's a lesson your child learns about integrity. You know, so parents should set aside their pride and learn to apologize more frequently. And I'm saying that to myself too, by the way. You know, bosses, you know, highlighting their staff's accomplishments and downplaying their own accomplishments. That's integrity. That's a huge thing. You know, there's there's a there's a a lot of managers and bosses who are narcissistic, statistic, sadistic, sorry, and even uh, a sociopathic. And it appears it's off the charts these days during COVID, by the way, and even before COVID. And it probably will be for the duration of our existence. But whether you have power, you'll find someone nearby who's gunning for it. Yet the boss with integrity is a boss not because they want to have the power over others, but because of being a natural leader who is good at keeping things organized and who handles challenging situations with a lot of integrity 
and a lot of dexterity, meaning they care about other people. Simply put, you know, they uh, integrity uh, leaders have no need for power because they know they're good at what they do. And they also have insight in the fact that they get better financial compensation than other workers. So, you know, a good boss makes a constant effort to appreciate the staff's contribution and understands that they work for them. They work for their staff. And that's important. The, your staff does not work for you. You work for them. Also, romantic partners who boycott name-calling or other silly behaviors like affairs and stuff like that and, and pornography. You know, uh, let's admit it. There, there's an infinite ways you can treat a romantic partner badly. But every day in couples old and new, wealthy and poor, men and women get nasty with each other. And men and men and women and women get nasty with each other. And at the most distorted end of the spectrum are the physical and sexual abusers. And at the other end are the name callers and the angry and the passive aggressive types. You know, infidelity is a complex issue, you know, uh, uh, that we could talk about at a different time, but it's a symptom of a bigger problem in a relationship. You know, no psychological study will ever reveal the percentage of relationships that include nasty, below-the-belt behavior. Yet there's, a cu- there's couples out there who fight, but, but, but not unfairly, who argue but stop short of calling each other names. And those couples which may have problems with each other, but still manage to show a level of humility and kindness and empathy and compassion for each other's perspective. They don't have to agree with each other, but they compose of romantic partners who show integrity in everyday life. Here's another example. You know, drivers who almost never use the horn or drive aggressively. We all have to share the roads, no matter how annoying that reality is. And boy, it can be, especially on Sundays with people driving 10 miles an hour when you're trying to get to church. Um, Or how about, you know, how you drive says a lot about you, how you treat people. Uh, You don't know how, how you handle anger. You know, how to, to what extent would you offer entitlement to yourself? And, you know, perhaps you'd like to believe that someone who drives slowly or non-aggressively is simply less busy than you are. But driving in a cooperative manner that is mindful of your fellow commuters is actually a sign of integrity. And let's all try to practice it more when we're behind the wheel, because that is a dangerous weapon being behind the wheel. You know, people in positions of power apologizing for keeping their captive audience waiting. You know, that's a huge thing. When someone feels important because they have more power than the majority of people around them, they often take advantage of, of that pretty seriously and don't think about the feelings of other people. You know, the people that are in, that believe they're in a higher up position often don't make conscious efforts to apologize to for for maybe a job interviewee that's been waiting in the lobby for an hour longer than they anticipated. You know, it, it's very important for us to to uh, you know physicians who keep people in the waiting room full of full of uh, while they're in pain sitting out there waiting for a doctor and and they're just going too slow to help. You know. It's really nice and it's really thoughtful and it's really good thing for people with integrity to say, hey, you know, thanks for waiting. I'm sure you're probably busy. I'm sure you're probably frustrated. You know, if there's a major power imbalance, make no mistake, the one with the power who apologizes to the one with less power is showing bona fide integrity. Also, anyone giving another person the benefit of the doubt when the circumstances are unclear that that's always an awesome thing. That means I'm not going to assume you had the worst intentions. 
You know, modern life is very taxing, very fast-paced, and we suffer from stress on an ongoing basis. And when we're stressed, we're more likely to get defensive and blame others. But if each of us could learn to give people the benefit of the doubt across the board, whether it's an argument about a job completed or in response to feedback, it suggests that someone's spoken badly about you. And we would have less stress in our daily lives. So, you know, one of the noblest things you can do is to give someone the benefit of the doubt before rushing to judgment, negatively filling in the blanks for yourself. People with integrity are saying, yes, I can be trusted. That's a powerful statement. Also, volunteers. My gosh, you know, <laughs> we we don't hardly ever volunteer as a mass of people, yet a handful of of people, men and women, make volunteering a a built-in part of their weekly life, whether at church or food pantry, animal shelter, nonprofit organizations. That shows in itself a certain amount of integrity to volunteer for one day, one hour, one moment, here or there. Uh, You know, the steadier the integrity is shown by those who commit to ongoing volunteer positions that require a real sacrifice of time, you know, that is incredible. You know, if we uh, were to volunteer at our children's school, that would be incredible. You know, we need to, you know, coach children's team sports or even give louder applause to volunteers who provide a service to their larger community. Or underprivileged strangers. You know, this is huge. You know, integrity is what we're not born with or without it. It means that it's a behavior that is a virtue that we have to cultivate and embrace over time. And once again, the older you get, you don't realize how impactful integrity and trust are on our lives as human beings. You know, perhaps the most important thing in your is your integrity. It's your word of honor. It's what makes you honorable. Yet at one time or another, you're certainly violating this trustworthiness. And the way to get that back is to ask people who you have violated to have faith in you that you understand the impact things have had that you've done on their life. And that's how we begin to work our way back to trust. That doesn't mean I don't expect you to trust me, but I want you to have faith in me that will gain trust at some point if you can you know, it's it's if it also the the present. You know, we all uh, uh, are too hard on ourselves sometimes, and, and this self violation uh, occurs because we have an expectation that's really high that we don't meet. And if you do that, you are playing with depression. If you have unmet expectations and you continue to not meet your expectations, you are developing a failure narrative about your life and yourself. And we lose our integrity when we value ourselves so little to put ourselves down. It's important for us to not live in expectations, but live in preferences. I prefer because that allows us to not have a negative attachment to something that we may not have had full control of. You know, have you ever considered this word, the integrity, intimately? It relates to integration. Um, and because of different parts of yourself, each harbors a voice, an agenda of its own. If you have an inner child, that's got a voice. If you've got, you know, you at a teen year and that's not fully developed, they got that voice. You can always tell, like, when people are very immature with their emotions, that means they're kind of stuck in childhood at a certain place where they may have been traumatized. 
And so what they basically do is they revert to that and never cultivate that part of themselves. And that's what will steal away their integrity because in these moments, they act like a child. So I can't trust them and they're not acting like somebody that would have integrity. And so it's really important that we integrate all parts of ourselves in order to gain integrity. Once again, it's not until most people, some are fortunate, but most people until they get older that they realize the price they pay by the behaviors that they've kept from their childhood and moved into their adult life. It also uh, uh, whole implies that the various parts that can compromise us are balanced and relate to each other and keep each other in balance. That means we keep ourselves in check. You know, if we look at it in human terms, personal integrity depends simply enough on the individuals being integrated, meaning that I know you're the same person when I'm not with you as I am when I'm with you. Your judgment will stay the same when I'm not with you as it is when I'm with you. And actions will dictate that over time. You know, uh, um, if we look at the whole being whole as a person, that means we're at peace and we're living a proactive life rather than a reactive life. And that is very, very important to understand that a lot of people live defensively. And if you're going to live defensively, you're going to walk through life bouncing off a bunch of other people and events and situations like a pinball, uh, you know, a pinball machine. And so it's sad but a lot of people don't take control of their life, don't take control of their response. They live in reactions. React, 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 which is all emotional. Response, response, response is logical. And that's the part of ourselves that we definitely want to come to grips with. And that's where we want to become whole in how we choose to respond. We can react, but if we make decisions when we're reacting, we're likely going to regret them for the rest of our lives. You know, the consequence of all these self-protected parts to escape yourself and your emotional suffering is frequently some form of psychological dysfunction like mood or anxiety, depression, personality disorders, eating abnormalities, you know, psycho social disturbances, you know, all kinds of, you know, OCD type of behaviors. It's like having an orchestra inside you, and when they aren't playing as a cohesive part, uh, we get out of tune. And it's hard to make all of them work together. But the more that we become whole and get away from react, 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 and go to respond, 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 the more we move to that, the steadier our life becomes and the more we draw in to being a more whole self. You know, some people are the ego self, and that's the self they personify. Unfortunately, they're a different person when they're in different environments. And so they adapt by their ego so that they will feel emotionally accepted. However, the ego may not be the true self, and people that live in their ego begin to think that that's who they are, and they delude themselves for following the values that they would rather have in their life and the integrity they would rather have in their life. So they're more worried about how they're seen than who they are. And so those people are going to live reactively. You know, if, if you think about other parts, you know, there's all these defense mechanisms around each other's parts. 
And so we want to get rid of defense, 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 and live in faith, faith, faith. And I'm not talking about religion, but life is one leap of faith after the other. We are by nature experiential learners. That doesn't mean we always have to reinvent the wheel, but we go through experiences. And by how we go through experiences and how we choose to respond to adversity is what makes our character. And our character is built on how resilient are we as a person. How resilient are we? Not how reactive. How do we choose to respond and move through when negative things happen in our life? It's huge and it's important. It's important to think about these things as a person. You know, if you're, you're brought up in a home with, with an alcoholic parent who's inebriated and would r- routinely rage or throw things or frighten the entire family, you know, a, a, and then they have a codependent mother totally preoccupied and obsessed with the drinking, in such a family, neither parent could possibly be there for you. And so adequately responding to your thoughts, feelings, needs, and behavior is not going to be there because you don't feel safe. And when people don't feel safe, they don't move through their natural development. They move slower and they slow down because they have to worry about their crazy parents. And so unfortunately, these kind of people get stuck in their childhood and they get stuck in the trauma of what their parents create. And oftentimes they move that model on into their life and do the same thing to their partner or some semblance of that. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk more about trust, our deepest need. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. 
Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. You know, if you grow up in a home where you're not, don't, don't feel safe, you don't feel loved, you don't feel secure, here's what might happen to you. And you'll probably end up with many of these adverse feelings and thoughts about yourself. You might feel unimportant because not feeling recognized or given enough time and attention by parents who are distracted by alcohol or drugs or their own personal problems, not being able to get along, being narcissistic or selfish. Yes, this is what happens. You feel inadequate oftentimes because of being frequently criticized as a child. Of course, they have to project how they feel about themselves on you because you're an easy target. You're a child. So you do things wrong and they don't ever do anything wrong. And so, you know, it's also we often feel lonely because of not feeling understood or sufficiently bonded to your parents. Um, Powerless because, you know, however negatively you viewed the situation, you could do nothing, absolutely nothing to change it. Also in danger or unsafe because your father's angry flare-ups or your mom's angry flare-ups are unpredictable. And and the resulting anxiety that you feel is simply a way of trying to prepare yourself for them. Also shameful because after all, you belong to this kind of family. Worthless because feeling ignored, not feeling appreciated, valued, uncared about because you couldn't experience your parents being devoted to you. And lastly, if you thought all of that was grossly unfair to you, you know, you probably feel uh, it's too dangerous to express all of yourself. And so distrust and anger are what we're left with in life. So what does this all have to do with trust or integrity? You know, consider that as children, none of us can emotionally survive if we're constantly focused on one or more of these so stressful feeling belief states that we have had to experience in our lives. Consequently, and most instinctively, we develop different parts of our personality and parts change or adapt to such ongoing abuse. And so people who have had multiple ongoing abuse of any kind divide off into parts and that's called multiple personalities. And so what basically people will do is they change and adapt some people to very subtle degrees, other people to very, very, very obvious degrees uh, in order to deal with their own trauma. And then so when you're young and your emotional resources or your resilience isn't well developed because you were stuck with a bunch of crazy family members and parents, uh, you're best, you're, you know, you feel vulnerable in life. And so these uh, your defenses against emotional pain and suffering need to be as strong as the hurt you urgently need to escape from. And it's basically it's your defenses or adaptive parts that end up holding your essence or self. And then all of a sudden you marry some wonderful, beautiful person who doesn't come from that background and you still use the same defenses that you had to have with your family and with your parents to get through your childhood. And this is where we've got to become more whole and have more integrity in our life. If we don't do that, we will mow down every single loving, positive, influential person in our life, including our children and our spouse. You know, obviously, your integrity, your wholeness can only come from an integrated self. And that self must harmoniously incorporate not being sabotaged by these different parts that you developed in the younger years. And so, you know, if you think about it, what you want to develop is a sense of calmness, 
curiosity, compassion, connectedness, confidence, creativity, courage, and clarity. And that comes from uh, Schwartz um, called the eight C's for the self. And, and it's really positive personality characteristics that help us move through life. And that is the better part of who we are. And when we're that, we are magnetic. When we have all that creativity and that confidence, courage, clarity, compassion, especially compassion, curiosity. Gosh, I wish more people were more curious. You know, it would be wonderful. But here's the problem. We live in a life where we have filled with social ways of dealing with each other across media. And media has algorithms. If you watch a certain kind of news, that news is going to continue to pop up to what you spend the most time watching because algorithms time how much time you spend on various topics, like pornography, for instance. And so the bottom line is as you spend more time on different things, that is the algorithms that it throws you because it wants to sell you something. And so the bottom line is we form our thinking and reinforce our own thinking through our use of social media by it delivering what we want to hear rather than what the reality is. And so we become very tribal people, unwilling to hear other people's opinion, unwilling to hear other perspectives in life. It is very, very, very important for us to understand that more people are more right than they are wrong. And we can learn from all of us, each other. And that's a very important thing. You know, but this compromised self that has all these different distorted parts with defense mechanisms and, and, and all kinds of weird stuff, you know, it, it, with all its uh, – if it's all can be managed, we can be lucid. We can operate with wisdom and become managed almost out of, out of existence if we allow these parts to play so much a role of our life that we have to manage them. If we don't integrate them, life becomes like pushing, you know, uh, pushing against the waves. It, it doesn't do any good. And so, you know, we have to be fully able to function and to do that we have to identify the parts of ourselves that don't belong in today's day and age do not belong to our partner do not belong at work we have to grow up we have to integrate we have to move to where we are at the age we are in our life and how can we create getting being effective with less energy being burned and so you know through abuse you might have suffered as probably it was never intended for you to suffer and your caretakers weren't actually motivated to act harmfully towards you or interfere with your development, yet they, uh, you, you chose to, to adapt to their imbalanced needs. You had to choose to hide aspects of you, which was better to fit in with them. And so those parts become forming a resentment that we want to release when we get married, but it's all subconscious. It's not conscious. So we subconsciously erupt and allow ourselves to do some parts of ourselves that are that are unacceptable by our parents or our family. You know, being true to yourself requires that yourself be whole, integrated with executive control over your parts. But people, when they have anxiety, which is fear, and depression, what happens is they go through life doing what they feel rather than what they think. And when we do what we feel and we make our decisions on what we feel, 
We oftentimes are not able to manage our finances, manage our emotional relationships. We procrastinate. We put things off. We do all kinds of crazy things because we're looking for a feeling. But you see, that's not life. That's not life. Life is you get a thought, you form an action, and you move through life. You move through life, and you take leaps of faith, and you take action. And the more you take action and with good integrity, with good judgment, thinking more than just your selfish self, what we do is we form our own character. And our character is dictated by our decisions. And our decisions are so important because that's how we teach other people how to love us. Very important to understand that. You know, it, it, it's really important that being true to yourself, that you, if you become a, a person of personal integrity, you start to say no to anything that hurts you. That means that you love yourself enough to show other people how to love you and how to love them. And that's an important part of life that helps us interact in a much more healthier, stronger, more effective way than ever before. And, you know, that sense of operating from love and understanding and compassion, that helps us walk through life. That helps us, if we think compassion first, then logic, compassion first, then logic, what will happen is as we move through life, if we offer that, we honor people's meaning, their emotions, and then we move to logic where we can interact and ask each other questions and learn more about each other. If we did more of that in our marriages and our children, with our children, with our family, with our friends, with people we don't even know, what would likely happen is we would feel like we have a lot of meaning in our life. That means that we have a lot of feelings about our life and about the people in our life. And that is such an important thing. But the problem is, is that when people have to stuff themselves because of their crazy parents and their crazy families, they end up not showing their emotions, not developing their emotional quotient, our, our emotional intelligence. And so what will basically happen is we tend to operate in our own brain and don't communicate. We just ruminate, ruminate, ruminate. But we think we're communicating, but we're not communicating our emotions. We're hiding them. And that can drive everybody crazy because there's no emotional significance to a relationship when you're there with a person who has no emotion. You know, it's important to be able to learn to be safe and express that emotion, but it takes a safe person to be able to do that with, and that's hopefully your partner, your relationship, whoever you're with, that they are safe to talk about anything and anywhere and anyone. You know, there's uh, 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 the juvenile protected parts of us that we have to understand that we got to come to grips with. And if you're arguing in your marriage, if you're arguing and developing, you have to understand there's a trust issue. It's either emotional, financial, physical, whatever. It's one of those. And, and the other part of it is you have to understand that you need to look for the intentions rather than the outcomes. And that calls for asking a what or a how question rather than a why question because whys are motive-based. People lie when you ask a why. They're a very intimidating question. What or how means I just want to learn how to forgive you for whatever happens. And so every time we have trust issues and we resolve trust issues, 
then what happens is we begin to form a safe emotional bond. And the safer our emotional bond is, the more we trust, the more we feel connected, the deeper the relationship goes on down into making our spiritual life also merge with our human life. That's a very important thing to have, and that's a very important thing for us to protect all our lives, is our trust, ability to be trusted, and our integrity. You know, and you can start at any point in your life to get that back. You know, as your protective parts, your, 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 your juvenile self intervenes and compels you to procrastinate or make excuses, avoid committing yourself to, to you know, taking hold of something, you know, th- that kind of thing is a try. And try is probably the worst word in the human language. You know, a try gives you a back door. A try means you are a weak person, a person that is strong. A person that lives a good integrity, a good sense of trust, a good sense of integrity in their life, that is a person who's committed to I will. I either will or I won't, but I'm not going to try. It's will or won't. It's quality instead of quantity. It's not being a renaissance person where you're trying different things. No, you step into life. And the more you step into life and the more you step into a marriage, the more you step into being a father or a mother, the more you step into being an employee or a business owner, the more you step in and don't try but do a will, the better your outcomes will come. That's important. That's important for us to understand. It's our level of commitment that makes us have trust and integrity. Also, you know, if you have some kind of explosion, it can be seen as acting out. And that's what happens with people who are passive aggressive. They have a tendency to hold things in, hold things in. It's the same theme. They don't ever listen to me. They never listen to me. They're not listening to me here. They're not listening to me there. And so they stuff it and stuff it and stuff it and stuff it. And suddenly another trust issue comes up and they blow and they just blow out and they do it because they want to say, I'm doing this to make you understand that I never want to have to do this again. I'm going to make it so ugly and uncomfortable. I don't ever want to have to do this again. But sadly, what happens is when you're passive aggressive, after you've blown up, everybody thinks you're crazy and they don't listen to you. And so you've not accomplished what you wanted. If you want to have a good life, if you want to have integrity, if you want to have a trusting life, you need to open up about how you feel and think how you feel and how you think. And you don't have to do a Broadway production on feelings. You can go, you know, I'm upset because you said this and it it makes me feel disappointed. And uh, I don't like that I'm disappointed in you because I want to be able to trust you on this. You know, put your emotions, put the reason. That's all you got to do. It's not all this blah, 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 blah. It's not all this trying to get attention by using harsh words with each other. That's not what we want to do. The more we do that, the more we destroy our integrity, the more we abuse and destroy our trust. Because if we're name calling, that means we're trying to say, you're not listening to me. So why don't you just say, you're not listening to me. Let's take a time out, come back in an hour, and let's resolve this as adults and leave it at that. You have to understand when people name call and humiliate each other and make each other feel worthless – What they're actually doing is saying you're a terrible listener right now 
and I'm really upset because I need to be heard. If you can figure that out, then you won't focus on the name you're called or the thing that happened. You're going to focus on what we need to do to get back to adult. And that's an important thing in our life. And if we don't manage that integrity, if we don't manage that emotional trust, it's a train wreck because then we develop resentments. And those pop up in the bedroom. They pop up in how we treat each other. They pop up in how much attention we spend on our kids, how we treat our kids, and how we treat our friends, and who's more important in our life. And all of a sudden, other trust issues start to pop up because of one trust issue that resentment and childhood problems tend to cause. You know, it's really important for us to fully accept the fact that we are in a process of evolving into a better person as our life goes on. That's important, that we give ourselves grace enough to know we're going to make tons of mistakes, look like idiots, do stupid things, but the bottom line is we are integrating towards a more whole self and a safe self and a better uh, life down the road as, as we're living, that we're going to value our choices and make sure that our choices can be depended on and that we can depend on ourselves. and we have a relationship of trust with ourselves. We have a relationship of integrity with ourselves that will be where we need to be, say what we need to say, do what we need to do, do not create trust issues in our life because we're attacking ourselves when we do that and our partner and tearing the binder off of our book of any relationship when you uh, create trust issues. You know, so we have to look, what is the nature of our morality? You know, we're, we're hardwired basically for corruption or for integrity, and it depends on which one you want to go to. And so as a practical matter, in the rush towards responding to a critic or a malicious uh, incident where we've been criticized in a way we feel is unfair, as we go towards that, we have to consider uh, what, whether or not to overlook and take the high road. And high road oftentimes is called integrity. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the value and then how to build trust. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about trust and integrity. You know, the most deepest need that all of us as humans really look for in our life. And there's so few crumbs of it out there. But, you know, as we develop from our childhood, we have to understand what are our, what are our primary motivators you know, we have to question ourselves. What what's our archaic origins? What where where do some of our bad behaviors come from? And also, what you know, what are some of our psychosocial underpinnings of ethics that's been distri- uh, d- demonstrated by our parents, by our family, by people we look up to? Also, uh, moral conduct. How was that displayed to us? And it's really critically relevant for us to understand where do we come from. And who do we want to be? You know, we're born into a family. We don't have any choice with that. We go through our parenting. We deal with family. We deal with some people we can't stand, some people we love. But the bottom line is we still have to individuate, and that will happen in our adult life. And as we individuate, that's where we need to revisit what we were taught and what we want to be as a person. You know, if, if uh, you know, if you think about it um, – you know, all of our experiences are critically relevant and they infuse every facet of human affairs. You know, if we work from a legal or a compliance or an anti-corruption professional, you know, or, or, or uh, counter fraud or in, insider threat risk management or cybersecurity, law enforcement, all of these, you know, corporate governance, all of these are very important parts of life. You know, but some people choose to be fraudsters or malicious insiders or hackers or conmen or gifters or cheaters, liars, narcissistic, uh, antisocial, you know, and, and they if we're surrounded with that kind of behavior, we're always going to understand that some of that's going to integrate into us. And we have to understand that all of that has an impact on us. So what do we want to do? We want to be able to counter anything negative with a positive. That means we need to have ways to diffuse our negatives. And that has to do with your motivation, your primal motivation. Is your primal motivation to be selfish or is your primal motivation to be needed or is your primal motivation is to help others? And that is dependent on your character. You know, not one person in this life has a monopoly on, and I'm talking about people, and I'm not talking about God or anything like that, but, you know, nobody, no person has a monopoly on morality or virtuousness, 
You know, that's the funny thing about, you know, if you look from a religious perspective, doctrine is based on human uh, monopoly of morality and virtuousness. And so that is what problem is a problem with people trying to integrate into any kind of religion or church is that they are afraid they're going to be forced to embrace values that they necessarily do not feel are right. And so a lot of people push away because they don't want their life to be dictated to. And that's why religion and church is having such a hard time growing in this day and age that we're in because we're already controlled on every other facet of our life. You know, uh, whether considering integrity or corruption, people are the central element. But the complexities of the psychological uh, dimensions of the problem is 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 marginalized and oversimplified and underestimated because underneath our noble uh, uh, view of ourself that oftentimes people have that they are like Robin Hood they have a right to do the bad things and to give to the poor and do you know let other people thrive from what other people have you know that that's fine from that perspective but the problem is it's still corruption and it's still evil. And it's still got a lot of, of other things that are not good examples. But some people will uh, celebrate their their badness. They will celebrate their bad moral choices. And I will tell you, in the end, they will be rejected by life itself, by the nature of human beings who catch up with them and figure them out and understand. And so those people will always be running – the people that often choose the worst choices – or the bad choices are often going to find themselves living in a vacuum that is goes down and down and down and down until you have no other choice. And so sadly, people will take their own rights away by violating other people's lives. We gain other people's lives in our life and the support of other people and, and the, the wonderness of having great relationships by having integrity and trust. And so we've got to value this stuff, you know, because life teaches us both. We have to choose what we want to do with our life. You know, when individual, perhaps especially not exclusively a a person of influence or responsibility or reputation or economic power, you know, uh, if that person, even in a, even your trash man, anybody, anybody that, that, you know, housewife, whatever, people that consider themselves, you know, uh, of no great value maybe in life, that those people operate with integrity. They are missing the point that they have great value in life. All people who choose good choices and integrity have enormous value in life no matter what your social economic status, your tribe that you go to, your culture that you're tied to. If you try to go to integrity, that makes it so people will not be prejudiced against you because you make good choices. And that is what makes a human attractive no matter what their skin color, no matter who they are. And so it's important to understand how to build trust. But the first part, if you're going to do it, is be true to your word and follow through with your actions, you know, to to building trust for others to believe what you say. So you have to keep in mind that building trust requires not only keeping the promises you make, but also not making promises you're unable to keep. And a lot of people overpromise and underdeliver. So keeping your word shows others what you expect from them, and in turn, they'll be more likely to treat you with respect 
developing further trust in the process. And that's important to understand. Also, if you want trust, you have to learn how to communicate effectively with other people. You know, poor communication is a major reason why relationships break down. Good communication includes being compassionate first and then clear with our intentions. And so it's it's not about what you have or have not committed to. It's, It's what has been agreed upon. Building trust is not without risk. It involves allowing both of you and others risking taking chances to prove trustworthiness. And to navigate this, effective communication is key. And without it, you may find the messages you've intended to send aren't the messages that are received. The other thing is people who catastrophize think of the worst possible outcomes, depressed people, anxious people, people who live in fear, are basically understanding that they're contaminating all of their communication with that negativity. And now that is the perception that they tend to come from. So a person develops a narrative that's a negative narrative about their partner. They begin to take action based on that in their discussions with their partner. They they habitually reinforce their narrative about their partner. And then what they become is it becomes a part of who they are as a person. And now it defines their destiny, which could be a divorce. And so unfortunately, we love to... Uh, trust our own uh, 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 narratives rather than looking at truths or even accepting that there might be good in the other person. There might be more good in them than there is bad in them. And people that look for the good have a tendency to draw people in. They become very, very influential in our life. You also have to remind yourself that it takes time to build and earn trust. And so have faith until you get to trust. Don't just give someone blindly your trust. I'm going to have faith in you until I trust you. That's where you've got to come from. It's a daily commitment. So you don't make the mistake of expecting too much too soon. In order to build trust, first take small steps Take on small commitments, and then as trust grows, you'll be more at ease with making accepting bigger commitments, and you put trust in, and you will generally uh, get trust in return. That is how we build this thing. Also, we take the time to make decisions and think before acting too quickly. If we make emotional decisions, we regret, 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 second guess, feel less about ourselves, Only make commitments that you are happy to agree to, have the courage to say no, even when it disappoints someone. If you agree to something and can't follow through, everyone involved is 10 times worse, and especially yourself. You also want to be clear about what what you have to deal with. You know, this is what I can do, and this is what I can't do, because I've got this, this, and this. And so that helps you develop boundaries, which now people know how to support you because you've set the boundaries. They know where they stand and they know where they can fall in and help and they know where they need to stay away. You know, the value of relationships that you have, you know, you never want to take them for granted. Trust often results from consistency. When we tend to have the most trust in people who are there for us, through good and bad times, regularly showing someone that you're there for them is an effective way to build trust. And that, my friends, is an emotional commitment to your friendship, not a autonomous or not a, uh, a analytical 
a conjunction. What it is is that you put yourselves together emotionally. That's where all meaning for all relationships is. And if you won't allow yourself to be an emotional person, even though you may be highly analytical, if you don't meet people on their emotional basis first, you're going to have a hard time making it through life with commitments and with relationships. You also want to develop team skills uh, if you're building trust. Take an active role on a team, but you also want to let people make contributions. And be honest, you know, if you are just honest, if, you, if you're if you caught telling a lie, no matter how small, your trustworthiness will be diminished, you know. And, and the other thing is, if you want to build trust, help people whenever you can. You know, if it provides no benefit from you, that's integrity. That's trust. Authentic kindness helps to build trust, and it helps you feel better about yourself. The next thing is, is that emotional intelligence requires us to state our emotions rather than demonstrate it. That doesn't mean we are not emotional. What it means is we're allowed to identify our emotions so other people can understand where they emotionally stand with you. And the other problem is people love to self-promote and that destroys trust because that means everything is about me first. You know, if you're always defending yourself. If you're always promoting yourself, uh, you're not making room for other people. You know, if you want to have integrity, what's really important is you always do what you believe to be right. And you admit your mistakes. And it's very important to understand that. So looking at trust, you know, respect pays an important role in it. That means that we have a voice in our relationships and they have a voice in our relationships and we make room for both and we're curious about each other's needs we're curious about each other's thoughts you know it's to build trust with a partner you have to be prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt that they do not have bad intentions they may have bad decisions but they don't have bad intentions and so that leads us to the idea that if we want to be trusted we are not to be another adult's parent we are to be an adult Communicating with another adult, it's I'm okay, you're okay. That's how we have to go through life if we're going to earn and build trust with each other. And you have to receive and you have to give. All right, that's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. You can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, integrity is a choice between what is convenient and what is right. Also, love and compassion are necessities. Also, if you earn trust, you can worry about the rest. You know, people's love and respect can be unconditional. Trust has to be earned, and it takes time to get there. You know, uh, uh, salt looks like sugar, and both are addictive, if you think about it. And once a paper's crumbled, it cannot be perfect. And so when you try to straighten it out, That tells you what it's like when you violate trust. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.